Blog Talk Radio. Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is December the 1st, 2017, one month um, before the celebration of the new year, just weeks before we celebrate Christmas or Hanukkah. Uh, And I want to thank all of you for joining me at the end of the week to play what I've come to call the inevitable game of catch up. And there is so much to catch up on indeed. So um, I thank you again for being here with me. Those of you familiar with me, familiar with the program, know that I'm a retired senior special agent with what used to be the Immigration and Naturalization Service, the INS. Uh, That agency, the INS, was sliced and diced into multiple components and then uh, taken from the Justice Department where it used to be, moved into the Department of Homeland Security ostensibly in response to the findings and recommendations of the 9-11 Commission. Um, But as uh, you know, um, immigration law enforcement seems to have been hobbled, not assisted when it was moved to DHS. We finally have a president, Donald Trump, and an attorney general, Jeff Sessions, who truly understands the real importance, the real significance of border security and immigration law enforcement to protect American lives, national security, public health, and the general well-being of Americans. And that statement, by the way, contrary to what the mainstream media keeps spewing, has nothing to do with xenophobia. Our immigration laws, pardon me, are utterly, totally, and completely blind about race, religion, or ethnicity. It's not about Latinos. It's not about people of any particular color or anything else. It's simply about drawing the one distinction that the open borders immigration anarchists refuse to talk about the issue of citizens versus aliens, the difference between lawful immigrants and illegal aliens. They have decided that the best strategy is to play on the ignorance and the laziness of the average American. And, you know, as H.L. Mencken, uh, the philosopher, said, no one ever lost money underestimating the intelligence of the average American. And that's why it's so important to provide the information that's not being provided by the mainstream media. And that's what I try to do on this program and why I am pleased that you're willing to spend an hour with me at the end of the week to try to make sense of the madness being foisted on us. Too many people have come to accept this twisted notion that any alien who enters the United States is entitled to citizenship, is entitled to civil rights, uh, is entitled to everything that American citizens are entitled to. That is as crazy as telling people that they must not lock their doors at night and that when burglars, home invaders, um, and trespassers enter their homes, they are now responsible for housing, feeding, and clothing them, and perhaps educating their children and throwing in free medical care to boot. This is nuts. America's immigration policies are the most generous on the planet. Each year, the United States admits roughly one million, one million lawful immigrants. They are granted green cards, which signifies their immigration status, They are placed on the immediate pathway to United States citizenship, 
and depending on whether or not they married an American or if they, uh, if they did marry an American, they're entitled to apply for citizenship within three years of entering the country, provided they meet certain prerequisites. Otherwise, it's five years. So we have very generous immigration policies. The problem, forgive me, I'm fighting some kind of a head cold. If I sound a little uh, like Kermit has set up shop, you know why. Um, but the point is that we are the most generous country in the world and the most reasonable. And we've gotten to the point, we are so reasonable that we have politicians and we have journalists and we have globalists and corporations and various special interest groups who apparently don't give a damn when aliens come to the United States and let alone take the jobs of Americans, take the lives of Americans. This level of lunacy um, is beyond anything I ever could have imagined when I was sworn in as an immigration officer way back in 1971. We have, as a country, lost our collective minds, and this has nothing to do with being conservative or liberal. I'm a registered Democrat, and if you look at the damage, <clears throat> pardon me, being done to American workers and their families, it's inestimable. We are importing more foreign workers every year than the number of new jobs that we are creating. How in the world does this help America or the American economy? We have gang members who entered the United States under, under the Obama administration, these so-called unaccompanied minors, and with them came a flood of members of the violent and pernicious MS-13, arguably the most violent gang in the Western Hemisphere. There have been at least 20 young people killed on Long Island here in New York in the last two years, and virtually every victim was a child and was a Latino. The notion that immigration law enforcement is about racism is madness. The only racists that I see in this debate are those who talk about Latino voters as though somehow Americans of Latino ethnicity are different from all other Americans. By definition, if you believe that any person is particularly different or predisposed to different values, than any other American, by definition, you are a racist. All Americans want the same things from our government. And this is true whether you lean to the left, the right, or the center. It's true no matter the color of your skin, no matter how you worship or don't worship. We want our military to keep our country secure and safe from our enemies and keep America's enemies as far from our shores as possible. We want law enforcement to make our streets as safe as possible. We want our schools to do the best possible job of educating our children. And we want to know <clears throat> that any American, irrespective of what I have come to call the superficial issues, race, religion, ethnicity, gender, any American can write the next great American success story if he or she is willing to study hard, work hard, and perhaps benefit from a little bit of old-fashioned good luck. That's what the American dream is, and increasingly it's nothing more than a very elusive or perhaps illusory dream, although the open borders crowd love to invoke the notion of the American dream, hence the term Dream Act. And by the way, the A in Dream Act is alien as an alien minors. This terrible word that we're not supposed to use because it uh, provides clarity to the conversation, somehow, somehow, 
became acceptable, palatable, desirable, but if and only if it forwards the fake narrative being foisted on Americans that somehow you're xenophobic if you don't want American workers to lose their jobs to foreign workers, that you're somehow xenophobic if you don't want terrorists coming to America and killing innocent victims, that somehow you're xenophobic if you don't want gang members and drug traffickers coming to America to ply their trades, poison our people, especially our children, um, and create havoc and violence and mass destruction on America. We are so concerned, and rightfully so, about the specter of a terror attack, dirty bombs, and so forth. Yet just a week ago, I wrote an article, or a couple of weeks ago, I wrote an article for frontpagemagazine.com, and I hope you go to Frontpage Mag. Very proud to be a columnist for them. I've been working with uh, the David Horowitz Freedom Center. They are the force behind Front Page Magazine. This is their creation, the David Horowitz Freedom Center. And I wrote an article about how a Mexican couple in Queens, New York, in Kew Gardens, beautiful neighborhood, beautiful upscale neighborhood, uh, was found to be in possession of hundreds of pounds of narcotics, including 141 pounds of fentanyl. And for those of you not familiar with drugs, and I hope you're not familiar with it because that's a good indication that Perhaps your um, family is okay because this is such a pervasive problem today. We're having an epidemic unprecedented in human history or in American history. <clears throat> but fentanyl is 50, that is five zero times more lethal than heroin. And according to the Drug Enforcement Administration, and I spent half of my 30-year career working with the DEA, working with the FBI and ATF and local and state police and police agencies from around the world, uh, pursuing drug and terrorism investigations. But according to the DEA, 141 pounds of fentanyl can create, and you better sit down if you didn't listen to my uh, report on this or read my report, but here's the number, folks. Fasten your seatbelts. 141 pounds of fentanyl can create 32 million lethal doses. Yeah, you heard that right, 32 million, roughly one-tenth of the United States population. You worried about a dirty bomb? Well, the police took something that's perhaps even worse than a dirty bomb out of that apartment in Queens that was rented by a Mexican couple. And yet, if you dare suggest that we secure our borders, that we enforce our laws, that you prevent this catastrophe from befalling our country, our citizens, our young people, America's future, your branded xenophobe, racist, hater, you name it. Well, I want to know if those folks who are quick to use those terms leave their doors, their doors unlocked at night uh, and provide everybody who, who saunters by with free access to their homes. That would be an act of national, an act of suicide and do it on the national scale. It's national suicide. According to published statistics last year, 60,000, 60,000 people died in the United States because of opiate overdoses. 60,000 people died of opiate overdoses. That's larger, that number, than the capacity of many athletic stadiums. Imagine if someone blew up a bomb and killed everybody in an athletic stadium during a football or baseball game. That would be a catastrophe of, of unprecedented proportions, and people would go nuts. Well, that's how many people died last year, because we are not winning the war on drugs. We're doing nothing to win that war as far as I'm concerned. And when President Trump comes along and says, let's secure that damn border, 
He's accused of being a hater and a xenophobe and a racist. But think of those 60,000 people. But, you know, I remember, and I'm Jewish, I remember going to a Holocaust memorial ceremony. And there's a brilliant attorney, Alan Dershowitz, spoke at this memorial service here in New York. My uh, late first wife's parents had been victims of the Holocaust. Her mother, my mother-in-law, had been uh, in a concentration camp, in fact. So because of this, they would get tickets every year to go to the Holocaust memorial services. And she suggested that I take, uh, that I go with, uh, with a couple of my kids so that they could um, see what's going on, so they could become educated about the horrors of the Holocaust. Alan Greenspan spoke, and I have to tell you, he is a brilliant, brilliant lawyer, brilliant public speaker. It was really a, a pleasure to listen to him, but the subject matter was very difficult. And in talking about the Holocaust and mass murder, he basically said that if somebody goes out and kills one or two people, the way the world is interconnected today, the odds are very good that that person would be caught and would be forced to face justice for his or her crimes. But he said, as the number of fatalities increases, the likelihood of um, prosecution, the likelihood of consequences decline so that mass murderers all too frequently get away with their crimes against humanity. So he quoted, of all people, Joseph Stalin, because Stalin had said that one death is a tragedy while a million deaths is a statistic. And so what Alan Dershowitz said, and this is great advice, is that when you hear of a mass murder, when you hear of a terror attack, 3,000 in New York, for example, on 9-11, and by the way, that number continues to climb as more people come to illness that they contracted directly because uh, they ingested the toxins released when the towers collapsed. That's the reason for the Zadroga bill, to be able to provide medical care to these people who are suffering terribly and dying. But um, when those numbers go up like that, he said, don't think of it as 3,000 or the 6 million Jews who were killed during the Holocaust or the 13 million people who were killed because of the Nazi rampage. He said, whatever that huge number is, multiply that number by the number one. Because if one death is a tragedy, then every single person who loses his or her life because of a terror attack or because of racial cleansing, or because of a Holocaust-type situation, you need to see every single loss of life as a separate and discrete, cold-blooded murder. Cold-blooded murder. That's how you view it. One death is a tragedy, a million a statistic, and let's consider it each time the life is taken that each death is a separate and discrete crime. 60,000 people is not a statistic. It is 60,000 times one. That is what we lost last year to opiate overdoses. And that does not include the people who were killed because some guy or gal who was strung out on drugs got behind the wheel of a car, high as a kite, and mowed innocent people down or crashed into other vehicles. It doesn't include the drug addict who commits a violent crime to get the money so that he or she can buy the drugs. It doesn't include the violence perpetrated by ruthless, violent drug gangs who kill their opponents for control of turf and who, control mem- who kill members of the community to make certain that no one cooperates with the police. If you look at those numbers, 
my goodness gracious, they would go through the roof. As though 60,000 isn't bad enough. And so you have a president who says, we got to secure the border. And listen to the Democrats and many Republicans, too, scream their heads off. The screaming uh, is outrageous. The failure to be willing to protect American lives is even more outrageous. And you hear the nonsense from politicians like uh, Senator Menendez from New Jersey, who uh, is off the hook, at least for now. Uh, Corruption jury was hung, couldn't come to a decision. We'll see where that goes. But Menendez was railing against building a wall on the border between Mexico and the United States where a good part of the drugs flow. But these drugs, by the way, are flowing across the Canadian border. They're coming in through the the, the waterways. We have 95,000 miles of coastline, and there are drugs coming in daily through our international airports. You know, I I, I once wrote an article for Front Page Magazine, Border Security, the Immigration Colander. If all you look at is the Mexican border, then that's the equivalent of plugging one hole in the bottom of a colander and claiming you've turned it into a watertight bucket. That's nonsense. That's absurd. But that border and all those other components of the system have to be addressed, addressed effectively and addressed quickly because every day people are dying, every single day. But Menendez said that that would be a wall of hate and that the construction of a wall on the border would stop commerce. The only commerce <clears throat> that the wall on the border would stop, ladies and gentlemen, is illegal commerce, the flow of contraband, perhaps the flow of weapons, certainly the flow of illegal aliens, and among them, criminals, fugitives, gang members, drug traffickers, and quite possibly terrorists. So these arguments that go on and on and on, and people who buy into them, my gosh, you may as well try to convince the American people to leave their doors unlocked at night because that's what they want America to do. They want America's doors wide open. In fact, they want to blow the doors off the hinges, and even then it won't be enough for them. This is madness. This is a betrayal. It's a betrayal of their oaths of office. It's a betrayal of the lives of the American people. It's a betrayal of the promises that they make to their constituents and sanctuary cities only further the madness and only provide shielding and provide encouragement for illegal aliens to enter the United States um, with a sense of impunity. And why not? Because when you have politicians saying we can't arrest all the illegal aliens, what you're really saying is there's safety in numbers. And the more of you who come, the less likely we are to do anything except give you citizenship. And by the way, these aliens don't want citizenship. What they want is permission to work so they can get a Social Security card and a driver's license. And both the Democratic and Republican parties stand 100 percent in favor of doing precisely that. And the Republicans, of course, say, well, we're tough because we don't want to give these people citizenship. Of course not. They're afraid they'll vote for the Democrats. Okay, so it's pretty simple to see what nonsense the Republicans are trying to do. But they're happy to have these people here. They've always wanted to flood the labor market with cheap foreign labor. So this coincides with their primary objective of driving down wages of American workers. And the the Democrats, who used to claim to be pro-worker, could care less about the average American because they are more intent on flooding America with foreign workers, which displace American workers, which drive down wages and make American families more than ever dependent on the government for subsidies so that they can stay financially afloat. And meanwhile, what's happening? Well, 60,000 people died last year of opiate overdoses. 
um, MS-13 flooding through America, estimated by some um, uh, federal agencies to have now infested, and that is the word, infested and infected 40 American states. But there's nothing to see here, folks. Keep moving. And while we talk about nothing to see here, folks, let's consider Kate Steinle. If you know, uh, as you probably know, uh, I presume you've been reading the papers, listening to the news, watching TV, hard to avoid it. This piece of trash who killed Kate Steinle uh, and his name, and I'm only going to mention it once. I don't, we don't need to publicize trash. This is human detritus, a piece of trash by the name of Jose Inez Garcia Zarate. Uh, and I don't call him trash because he's not an American. I don't call him trash because of his ethnicity. I call him trash because of his conduct. This guy has a serious, extensive criminal history, drugs, you name it. And America deported him five times. And he came back yet again, picked up a gun, and like a child breaking a toy, said, oh, the gun went off, passive voice. How in the world the members of the jury could buy that BS argument leaves me stupefied. So they charged him with a felon in possession of a gun, but did not, did not even charge him with manslaughter, even though he admitted that as he held the gun, it fired and shot Kate Steinle in the back as she was strolling along in San Francisco with her father. She essentially died in her father's arms. I believe she was 33 years old. Beautiful young lady with a brilliant future. But it doesn't matter that she was beautiful or that she had a brilliant future. It adds to the tragedy, no doubt. No doubt. And that's why the media, looking for sensationalism, picked up on the story. But in reality, every single day, people are dying in America because of aliens who had no rights to be here. But don't you dare say it because you'll be called a xenophobe. And we've become a nation of cowards. We've become a nation of cowards who don't know how to stand on our own two feet and push back and say to anybody who would outrageously make that accusation to tell them to go to hell. This isn't about xenophobia. This is about protecting ourselves and especially our families and children. But you have people who become true believers. And the arguments are amazing. How can you build a 10-foot wall because they'll come with 12-foot ladders? And everybody laughs on cue. That is the same arguments or the types of arguments made by the Third Reich. It's called the big lie. Tell a lie. Repeat it frequently. Pretty soon everyone thinks it's the truth. A 10-foot wall will obviously not stop everyone. Some people will manage to get over the wall. What it does is lower significantly the numbers who can get over the wall. What it does really significantly is slow down those who would get over the wall. And that helps the Border Patrol to secure the border. You know, stoplights don't stop everybody. Some people blow the stoplight. That doesn't mean we take down stoplights or stop signs or yield signs. There's always going to be people who will ignore a wall or a stoplight or a stop sign. The goal isn't 100% compliance, and that's all we hear about. If you can't arrest all the illegal aliens, then let's give them all citizenship. Wait a minute. 
If you can't stop all drunk drivers, let's not bother arresting any drunk drivers. If you can't stop everybody who's stupid enough to text and drive, so we shouldn't be enforcing those laws. If you follow that line of reasoning, ladies and gentlemen, then we need to get rid of all of America's laws because no laws are enforced 100% of the time. Stop and think about it. People commit tax fraud. So what should be the answer? No more investigations into tax fraud. We can't get them all. No. You tighten the law. You make a bigger effort. You have public service announcements. And you make it clear, if you commit tax fraud, we're going to find you. We're going to punish you. The reality is maybe, maybe not. But you put enough doubt into people's minds that they're not likely to do it. How effective is that? It's very effective. Anybody who gets a letter from the IRS probably runs to the bathroom before he or she can open the damn envelope. That is known as enforcement uh, through um, um, the deterrence through enforcement. That's proof. Because people think, oh, my God, IRS, they're coming after me. <clears throat> and how does IRS further that deterrence? Every year, close to tax day, what do they do? They have a major roundup of people from a wide strata of American society, members of the clergy and school teachers and businessmen and lawyers and you name it. And they get rounded up and daisy chained and they do the perp walk and everyone's there to take pictures of them. And the message is they were stupid. Don't you be stupid. Right. That's what they do. Why is it? Because the government doesn't want people cheating on their taxes. They have great commercials. If, we, if you drink and drive, we're going to find you. And they have sobriety checkpoints, and they do the best job they can to get people off the road who drink and drive. And they take their cars, and they take their licenses, and they take their wallets, and, and they take their freedom very often because they go to jail. And, and rightfully so. I was almost killed by a drunk driver the morning after my first solo uh, back when I was a young kid. So that's fine. But where immigration is concerned, oh, no, no, we can't arrest them all, so let's give them all lawful status. Lawful status. That's just wonderful. And sanctuary cities are a giant step in that same stupid direction. So what happens? This guy who killed Kate Steinle when he was interviewed afterwards admitted that the reason that he was living in San Francisco was because he knew that as a sanctuary city, it was very unlikely that his presence in the United States would be brought to the attention of immigration law enforcement. In a very real sense, San Francisco's sanctuary policies make the entire city of San Francisco an accomplice to that terrible murder. And what was the jury thinking? Maybe the jury thought, oh, my gosh, this poor, undocumented man, undocumented, another BS term of art. When you run the border, you don't enter undocumented. There's no such word. It could have been drafted by the Ministry of Truth right out of 1984 in George Orwell's book. By the way, I, I keep talking about it, but please, if you haven't seen it, check it out. The Social Contract has my article, The Road to Tyranny is Paved with language censorship by using words that obfuscate the truth by controlling the language. The goal is to control the thought process. Undocumented immigrant sounds so much softer and more cuddly than illegal alien. But the term alien simply means any person, not a citizen or national of the United States. So what is wrong with the word alien? 
what's wrong with Alien is it provides clarity. And just like burglars and con artists, the anarchists out there are looking to con the American people through control of their thoughts by controlling the language of the debate. So if you're here illegally, you're not an illegal immigrant. You're an illegal alien. Have the guts to use the real words. Goodness gracious, we've become a nation of cowards, a nation of children looking to be led around by the nose, afraid that somebody will say, oh, you're not a nice person. Tell that to Kate Steinle's family. Tell that to her friends and family. Tell that to other people who've lost their family members, to people who shouldn't be here. We're a welcoming country. And what I really fear is that the anger and frustration that the Americans feel towards immigration will do harm to those folks who come to America legally, who are abiding by our laws and rules and waiting online and paying their legal fees, who truly want to become part of this great tapestry of America. But today, when people hear the word immigrant, unfortunately, because the open borders crowd wants to make no distinction between legal and illegal, when people hear the word immigrant, they recoil in horror and think, oh, my God, who is this person, really? You see? So instead of saying, well, I'm so glad you wanted to pick our country that you want to live among us, people now hear the word immigrant and think somebody ran the border, somebody who violated our laws. So really, who suffers the most by the madness of language? It's the lawful immigrants. It's the lawful immigrants. Because now we don't make that distinction in the media. Media keeps saying undocumented immigrant. Then there was a story, and I've written it for the social con- for the front page magazine. It should be out shortly, about how hundreds of workers were fired in a bakery in Chicago. And we'll be talking about that story next week. But the newspaper account was they lacked sufficient documentation. That's what they said. They lacked sufficient. They only had three out of four pieces of paper. This is madness, folks. They didn't lack paper. They lacked the legal authority to be here. Now, imagine if we decided, the Ministry of Truth decided, that the terms trespasser and burglar, just nasty words, they're terrible. It it makes the people that we're describing sound awful. So let's make believe that from now on, when someone breaks into a house, we're not going to call them a burglar. When someone romps through your backyard, we're not going to call them a trespasser. We're just going to call everybody guests. You're a guest. A guest. So now imagine the news report. Charlie Smith came home and was surprised to find guests in his living room, so he called the police. And then you think, wait a minute. If they were guests, why did he call the police? That's the kind of madness that we are now being forced to listen to in the media because it has been decided for us, this land of the First Amendment, maybe not so much, that the word alien is too harsh. So we're going to make sure you don't use it anymore. We're going to take the whole word out, out of the vernacular. No more aliens. We're all immigrants. We're a nation of immigrants. And if you dare suggest that a foreign national who came here without being inspected should be sent out of the country, we're going to call you anti-immigrant. And when people say, let everybody in and fire the Border Patrol and stop enforcing immigration laws, we're going to call them pro-immigrants. Even though the most likely victims of the crimes perpetrated by transnational criminals, ethnic immigrant aliens, criminals, 
other members of the ethnic immigrant communities. And not just from Latin America, folks. I don't care if we're talking about the Russian immigrant community, the Asian immigrant community, the Caribbean immigrant community, the European immigrant community, the Caribbean. You get the point? Because this isn't about Latinos. This is about people who come from other countries. And when people say, well, your parents came from another country, yes, my mother came here legally ahead of the Holocaust, which saved her life. And so I had the opportunity to be born and my children and uh, my grandchildren had the chance to be born. But my mother came here legally. So let me give you some clarity. The next time there's a shadow of doubt in anyone's thick skull, the difference between an immigrant and an illegal alien is comparable to the difference between a house guest and a burglar. And if you're not willing to make that distinction, you're a damn fool. And you're an anarchist. And that's what we're really dealing with. So from now on, let's start to call sanctuary cities what they are. They are anarchies and they are magnet cities for illegal aliens and the criminals, gangbangers, terrorists, and fugitives among them. That's what those cities are. I'm so fired up today. It broke my heart. Uh, to see a video earlier today of the Stiley uh, parents, Kate Stiley's parents. I, I can't even imagine. So forgive me, but I'm having a mini meltdown right now. Um, I, I'm just in a state of rage. But meanwhile, on college campuses, they worry about microaggressions, more make-believe language to shut down debate, shut down discourse, shut down discussion. And once you lose the First Amendment, boys and girls, it's all gone. Because once you lose the ability to speak your mind, you no longer live in a democracy. You live in a totalitarian state. And that, folks, is the direction we are headed unless we reverse course. And believe me, our university campuses aren't going to help you. And most of your politicians aren't going to help you. My mother used to say, God helps those who help themselves. We, the people, need to stand up to the bullies. I'm not talking physically now. But damn it, when someone starts this accusation, this name game crap, Stand up to them. Stand up to them. Grow some hair on your chest. Uh, If you're a man and women, grow a spine, whatever. I'm not trying to be sexist here. But we've become a spineless nation. We've become a spineless nation. And I will tell you, uh, the meek will not inherit the earth. We need to grow a spine. And now we come to uh, my article that I wrote for this week's edition of uh, Front Page Magazine. Denaturalization sought against five child molesters. And then the subtitle, Naturalization has provided the keys to the kingdom to criminals and terrorists. And this is what I want you to really understand. We hear so much about illegal immigration. I just spent um, the last, I don't know, 35 minutes talking about illegal immigration. But the legal system lacks integrity. And again, This administration, the Trump administration, and the Justice Department under the stewardship of Attorney General Jeff Sessions has made immigration fraud a priority. Immigration fraud is when an alien lies on an application for a benefit, such as a green card, political asylum, U.S. citizenship, in order to get a benefit because they know that if all of the material facts were known, they would not qualify for that benefit. Same thing with visas. So that all gets lumped together under the title of immigration fraud. And in point of fact, the 9-11 Commission, to which I provided testimony, made it clear that the primary method 
for terrorists to enter the United States and embed themselves in communities across the country as they went about their deadly preparations was immigration fraud. They lied about their identities. They lied to get visas. They used fake passports. They used fake identity documents. They got legitimate identity documents on the city and state level by lying about their identities. They concealed their affiliation with criminal and terrorist organizations. Uh, But this isn't new. The Nazi war criminals who fled after the Nuremberg trials and wound up in the United States came here on fake documents, lied about their involvement with the Holocaust. And for decades, if you remember, these pieces of trash were hunted down by the Justice Department who were looking for the Nazis uh, who were hiding among us. Most of those pieces of crap are dead now, but many of them lived in this country for decades, uh, never having to face justice for their atrocities. This is madness. We're supposed to be a civilized country of law. And the idea that aliens come here and lie and get immigration benefits, knowing what we know about this link to to terrorism, uh, is significant. And I wrote about how some terrorists have actually concealed their identities and their intentions to get citizenship and then go on to get U.S. passports, which facilitates their travel around the world. Because once you have two passports, especially when one of them is a U.S. passport considered the gold standard, what these terrorists do is they go to one country on one passport, put that passport away, flip out the other passport to continue their travels. And basically, it's like the guy that's escaping the bloodhounds by swimming across a lake. Once you get to water's edge, you lose track. So you have people that go to Europe, let's say, on an American passport and then travel on to the Middle East on on their Middle Eastern passport, whether it's a Pakistani passport, an Indian passport, uh, you name the country. Um, And then when they come back, they reverse the process. So all that the immigration inspector at Kennedy Airport, the job I did for the first four years of my career, all that that CBP inspector, Customs and Border Protection inspector, sees is the admission stamp into a country in Europe, whether it's Germany, England, Spain, doesn't matter. And the fact that three months, three weeks later, four weeks later, they're back. So they claim falsely, oh, I I just had a three-week vacation in Berlin. How wonderful. Meanwhile, they were in Germany for one day and from Germany went on to the Middle East where they attended training, where they attended meetings, maybe where they carried out an attack. And what's even further upsetting, and it's never been addressed, and I've addressed it at congressional hearings when I've testified, but it's not about to be addressed because as Michael Chertoff, former uh, Director of Homeland Security, Secretary of Homeland Security, told me, we both spoke at Chapman Law School over a decade ago, this is a political issue. When an alien becomes naturalized, he or she can take a brand new name, which is fine, but then their U.S. passport only reflects the new name. So in essence, we have foreign nationals putting themselves in their own witness protection program. Why in the world we don't insist on posting both the original name that they came with and the name they take when they naturalize is beyond me. And we're not the only country that's stupid enough to do this. Passports are supposed to fully identify the traveler so that the countries where they seek entry know who they are dealing with so they can protect their people also. But that would be too much common sense. That would involve too much morality, God forbid. And it would cost next to nothing. Just add that second name to the passport. Oh, we can't do that.
and nobody has an explanation. Again and again and again, we see this nonsense. And so I saw this article. It was actually a DOJ, a Justice Department press release, where they talked about how five aliens more than a decade ago became naturalized citizens, and they concealed the facts that they had molested children. In some cases, the children were as young as six years of age. And more than 10 years later, after the statute of limitations ran out, one way or the other, our folks became aware of how they lied on their application. So now the Justice Department is seeking to denaturalize them through judicial proceedings. So here's a couple of things for you to think about. Again, please read my articles. Uh, I really hope you find them helpful. And it's material that you can forward to your friends and neighbors and, and provide it to people who disagree with you if they're at least willing to keep an open mind. If they're willing to keep an open mind. You know, so many people are cowards. I mean, they're real life chickens. When they, when they flap their wings, the feathers go everywhere. They're chickens. Because the first person whose ideas we should all be willing to challenge are our own. The first person I always challenge is myself to make certain I'm getting it right. I'm not always right. I get it wrong. And when I get it wrong, I change where I stand on certain issues. That's why it's important that we try to learn something new every day. And and you have people on both sides of this. You have people that no matter what Donald Trump says, he's a thousand percent right. Don't tell me he's wrong. He can't be wrong. He's Donald Trump. No, God is a hundred is a thousand percent right. If God really exists, and when I look at the his creation, uh, the human species, uh, maybe not so much. Do you know anybody who's flawless who never makes mistakes? We always make mistakes, and then we have to correct it. If you're not willing to accept that even the people you support can be wrong, you're a fool. Ed Koch, New York's mayor, and I liked Ed Koch. I thought he was a good mayor, but he maintained sanctuary policies, which ultimately resulted in the death of a 24-year-old police officer. I had to testify at that murder trial because of the sanctuary policies under Ed Koch. I don't think Ed Koch was malevolent, and we didn't have the problem with immigration in the 80s that we have with it now, but he was wrong. But Ed Koch used to have a saying, and I'm getting it kind of sideways, but he said, if people agree with me 80% of the time, that's great. If they agree with me 100% of the time, they need psychiatric treatment. And he was right. And I think Donald Trump is probably the best president we've had in generations, at least maybe since Eisenhower. But he makes mistakes. And I don't agree with him all the time. But I had an argument with somebody who was a died in the wool. The Democrats are right no matter what they do. They're right. And what's so funny was I was convinced that to this individual with whom I had this debate, if Hillary Clinton somehow wandered into his house and relieved herself on his dining room table, he probably would have called it a centerpiece. Forgive me for the vulgarity, but it's just so frustrating trying to have a conversation with people who won't even listen to someone else's viewpoint. And that to me is cowardice. If you are confident that your position is right, then you should be happy to be provided with an opportunity to share your wisdom and your thoughts with someone else. Only cowards are afraid to contemplate that maybe they were getting it wrong. We should never be afraid of that. We should never be afraid of that. Science is based on mistakes and experiments that show the mistakes 
which guide us to the truth. It's always a quest for the truth. And we need to do that in all endeavors. Always seek the truth. If you're fearful of the truth, and you're demonstrating fear of truth, if you're not willing to listen to a viewpoint that varies from your own, then you have a serious problem. We should always be willing, when it's a reasonable, rational, fact-based discussion, to enter into those discussions so that we can challenge ourselves as well as those people that we think we disagree with. That's what debate is about. Had I not become a federal agent, I was planning to teach speech and debate on the college level. That's what debate is about. It's intellectual capitalism, intellectual capitalism. Everyone brings their ideas to the marketplace of free expression, and then people get to decide what sounds best. That's what debate is about. Anybody afraid to debate, anyone who's angered at the prospect of an obverse opinion has problems and needs to have them addressed. They have serious problems. Never follow anybody blindly. That's dangerous. It's dangerous to blindly follow anyone. Always challenge. Always question. Always reconsider. Always. But what was interesting about this story is that you have five people who get citizenship, and there's many more out there. Believe me, there are. And they concealed material facts. But it's more than the fact that the statute of limitations ran so they couldn't be criminally prosecuted. That's a little bit vexing, is a bigger issue. Every single day that these child molesters were wandering around towns and cities across the United States, more children were placed at risk. Because if that's your proclivity to abuse little children, then you're a problem. That's why we have sex offender lists, because these folks have psychological problems and when they attack a child that person's psychological problem becomes a major problem for that child and that child's family just the way it is some people are broken and when you have those broken individuals wandering around out there and the public is unaware of it then we place children and people at risk that is why they have sex offender lists we're hearing so much now about the lunacy being foisted on women. Uh, some of these, by the way, I think bogus. You'll look at the timing and so forth, but that's a story for another day. But there are predators out there, predatory conduct. And again, our immigration laws are supposed to protect children from the predators, you know, prevent anyone from falling victims to predators, whether it's violence, whether it's sex, whatever, people who would hurt other people. That's what countries are supposed to do for their citizens. If a country can't provide for national security or public safety, it has no purpose for existence. It has no purpose. I don't care how much good food a family serves their children and they give the kids a new sports car when they turn 18. And Oh, what wonderful parents. You find out that the father would get drunk and, and, and put the kids in the hospital. Those children would be taken out of the home. Don't tell me he's a good parent because he's providing a good meal. If the guy's a psychopath and, and, and beats his kid with a baseball bat, you know, it doesn't have to go that far either. I'm, I'm using an extreme example. Well, same thing here. A government lacks legitimacy if it can't deal with its primary functions of providing for the safety of its citizens. Safety first. 
Sanctuary cities fly in the face of it. An immigration system that lacks integrity flies in the face of it. And yes, I know there are people that are going to say to me, well, and I heard, I've heard these arguments, well, we have homegrown criminals. We do. And I'm not saying we ignore the homegrown criminals, but do we need to add more criminals to our criminal population from overseas? Are our jails not overcrowded enough already? Have enough Americans not fallen victim to violent crime? Every city talks about their crime statistics. You know, we are going to have low crime statistics. Well, that's fine. And, and that might influence where people decide to live. But when you turn gang members loose on the street and they hurt people, I don't care if your crime statistics are low. They could be lower. Every single loss of life is a tragedy. Okay? And when you look at the madness being foisted on us by gangs and by drugs, it's only rational and reasonable to tell the government, listen, you have an obligation to protect us. Article 4, Section 4 of the Constitution talks about how the federal government will protect, will provide for each state a republic and protect each state against um, invasion and against violence. Well, how do you do that in a sanctuary city when the states are ignoring the laws that by their design were supposed to keep out aliens with dangerous communicable diseases, aliens who are severely mentally ill, and aliens who are criminals, spies, terrorists, human rights violators, war criminals, and fugitives from justice. That's what we're talking about. And you have some true believers who can't fathom disagreeing with the narrative they've been following. Hey, you know, maybe it's not such a good idea that we let gang members into America. Al Capone was the number one criminal going back to his era. He was involved with murder and extortion and bootlegging and prostitution, you name it, and Al Capone did it. But ultimately, he was taken off the street because he failed to pay taxes. You use whatever tool you have to thwart the efforts of the bad guys. But when people say, well, we have homegrown criminals, and we have homegrown terrorists, no one is suggesting that we should give them a pass either. You use whatever tools you have at your disposal to thwart the efforts of people who are harmful. The argument that we have homegrown is kind of like saying, well, because so many people die of heart disease every year, let's not bother with cancer. No, you go after all illnesses that human beings can fall victim to. You go after all criminals Americans can fall victim to and use whatever tools are in your toolbox. And immigration law is one of the most effective. And in fact, something that you might not know, and this is very worth considering, I'm sure most Americans, except for the, the lunatic fringe, are very happy about the efforts of the Joint Terrorism Task Force. I mean, you'd really have to be off the deep end to not be supportive of JTTF. Now, I've arrested terrorists in my career, and I've worked closely with the FBI throughout my career. And the JTTF is run by the FBI. So as you might expect, the Joint Terrorism Task Force uh, is staffed most heavily by FBI agents and FBI analysts. No shock, it's an FBI operation. But because it's a task force, it means that they also have personnel from all sorts of other agencies who help with the mission. Local police, state police, IRS, if money is involved, the U.S. Marshal Service, ATF, everyone's got a piece of the action. Everyone wants to contribute to this effort. 
but guess which agency contributes the second largest contingent of personnel to the Joint Terrorism Task Force? Give up? Immigration agents. Immigration agents. Why? Because transnational terrorists or international terrorists, first and foremost, generally violate immigration laws to come here. And they violate immigration laws to embed themselves here. That's not my finding. That's the finding of the 9-11 Commission. You want to scare people or or really confound them? Tell them to read the 9-11 Commission report. Tell them to read the 9-11 Commission staff report on terrorist travel. So the FBI very wisely includes as many immigration agents as possible because they know that one of the best weapons in the war on terror are America's immigration laws. The same laws that sanctuary cities scoff at and insult people who think they should be enforced by calling them xenophobes, racists, and haters. This is crazy, folks. This is sheer madness. We have politicians who are foisting on the American people the very dangerous notion that it is unreasonable to keep criminals and terrorists out of America, that it is unreasonable to provide American workers with first shot at jobs they desperately need to support themselves and their families and bootstrap themselves and their families out of poverty. This is the madness that's being foisted on us by the anarchists who call themselves the mayors of the sanctuary cities and the governors of sanctuary states. Our immigration laws aren't about hatred, and they're not about race, and they're not about religion, and they're not about ethnicity. It's about keeping out people who pose a threat to the safety and well-being of America and Americans. And if being an advocate for the enforcement of immigration laws doesn't make sense to somebody, then that person needs to have a serious checkup from a psychiatrist because that's madness that is sheer madness what we're trying to accomplish here is to protect America and Americans anybody who thinks that that's not the priority is anti-American we've got to get serious about what's going on Um, I don't want to see any more Kate Steinle stories in the media not because I don't want them to publish them, because very often the media doesn't. I just don't want those crimes committed anymore. And in the case of Steinle's murder, Kate Steinle's murder, it was preventable. It was preventable. Because you see, the thug who killed her made it clear that the only reason that he was in San Francisco on that day, and for quite some time, was specifically because of the sanctuary policies. These politicians need to be made accountable. This is a dangerous practice, and it's not causing victimless crime. It's causing lots of people to be hurt and lots of people to die. And that is not acceptable. And again, it comes back to Americans standing up and saying, enough, enough. And it's time that the immigration system had real integrity. But quite frankly, the lack of integrity to the immigration system, which was a long time in coming, reflects the lack of integrity of all too many of our politicians on the local, city, state, and even federal level. Anybody who opposes the construction of a wall, knowing what we know about the drugs and criminals flowing across from the Mexican border, anybody 
who opposes enforcing immigration laws so that we can help Americans to find decent jobs and so that we can keep our streets safe from those people who would come here to do harm. Uh, Anyone who opposes that should never be allowed to win another elected office. This isn't a left-right issue, folks. This is a right-wrong issue. But we've really got to make sure to educate not only ourselves, but our neighbors. So please go to my website, michaelcutler.net. Go to the social contract. Go to frontpagemag.com. And if you like my articles, please, I ask you, forward the links to as many folks as you can and explain to them that there's room for debate. But if we're going to have debates about these topics, about these issues, then these debates need to deal with facts. And sometimes I hear people say to me, well, the other side, they're all about emotions. So am I. So am I. And tonight, ladies and gentlemen, I am pissed off. I am saddened and I'm enraged. I'm enraged that even after all that we know about the drugs, about terrorism, and about the outcome of the Kate Steinle trial, there are still politicians out there who profess to be representing their constituents while doing everything in their power to undermine national security and public safety. And that angers me. So is this an emotional issue? You're damn right. I thank you so much for joining me for this past hour. I hope the information I've provided to you is helpful, thought-provoking, and I hope you can use some of this material in conversations that you have with your friends and neighbors. That's what the First Amendment is all about, folks, the right for Americans to peaceably assemble, to have those very important conversations. That's how we celebrate America, by celebrating the First Amendment. I thank you again for being here. I look forward to seeing you next week, same time, same place. But until then, please remember, folks, democracy is not a spectator sport. Good night.